All right, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Talking Sports with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. Make sure to smash that five-star review button because if you don't, you're a buster with no rhyme or reason. So let's get into it. Captain's Log, October 29th, Friday, 2021. What's the importance of this day? Man to the country, it's not HBO, which is regular as Friday. But to the 1972 Dolphins, it is a bottle-popping day. Every single year, once somebody loses, them cats still pop a bottle and cheers to that undefeated season. And I largely don't have a problem with it. I don't feel like it's necessarily gloating. It is in a way, like it's kind of, ha-ha, we're the only team to ever do it. But the further that we get away from that, the less it kind of means to me. And I'm not trying to be somebody who tries to discredit things that have already happened or certain things of greatness because I do feel like everything needs a little bit of context. So to finish off a season undefeated and win a Super Bowl is obviously that's super impressive. But to me, shortener, not shortened season because that's what it was back then. That was a regular season. It wasn't, sh- it wasn't cut short due to COVID, you know, like we've had recently. It wasn't a strike season or anything like that. Those were the rules and those were the games that were supposed to be played at that time. What was put in front of you? Perfection. That And that's the, I think it's the ultimate goal. And like I've said on, on previous shows, when teams win the Super Bowl or go, you know, 15-1 and one previously, if they come out and say undefeated would be cool, I don't, I don't see that as bulletin board material. For me, that's just, if the intention is to win every game anyways, if you do, that's obviously more impressive, but it's hard to win the NFL. It just is. So that, that undefeated season still means something, but with the games that are being added now and just the level of talent now across the board is, I'm probably going to catch a lot of heat for this, but the talent level is just, it's just better now. It just is like the nutrition's better. The amount of time these guys put into their craft is higher. Like it's just a higher level. You can you can hate on what the NFL has become all you want to, but that largely comes from the fans too. The way that this game has evolved to what it is, is people saying, well, I want more points and I want more scoring. So the NFL did what you wanted to. So once again, there's no winning with the fans. You bitch and moan and complain all you want to. You get what you want to, and then it's not good enough or it's not as good as it was back in my day. Hashtag Greg Cody. There's always something that isn't good enough for you. And before I get into something else, I've now that I've kind of streamlined into nothing's ever good enough, man, I'll tell you what, Damian Lillard, boy, does he love to eat up that whole loyalty card. And that's the thing, too, like fans do it, too. I think he plays it up too much. He's almost, in a way, like J.J. Watt for me. Like, J.J.'s like over-the-top super nice guy. And that might be who he is in general. I don't know the guy. But a lot of things seem to be for the camera, and Dame almost kind of seems to be doing the same thing where he's so over the top of I'm staying in Portland, I'll never leave, I want to win here, one of two things is going to happen, man. Either A, you're going to be crucified if you stay in Portland and not win anything, and spoiler alert, you're not going to if you stay in Portland. Or if you do leave and you win one someplace else, then you just become every other ring chaser. Or the other third narrative is you leave, go someplace else, don't win there, and then you're ridiculed for ring chase and don't get one, and then you start getting put into the, to the conversations of the the some of the greats of all times that ring chase and they never got it. He's in a lose-lose situation, but whenever you put yourself out there so much that you're on one side that heavily, 
people will respect it right now. If he stays in Portland the entire time and doesn't win Jack, while he's playing up until the moment he retires will be, will he try to do it the right way? Once he retires, it's, yeah, but did he win? Simp fans are going to do that. They're going to build him up, build him up, build him up. And the moment he retires, if he does stay in Portland all the way through and shoot him down, it's, nope, well, he didn't win anything, did he? I mean, I don't subscribe to that rule, but I'd say a good majority of like just regular-ass sports fans, people in sports media who get paid to just be loud, and those types of people like Stephen A. Smith, I'm not saying that he said that, but those types of very boisterous and over-the-top loud people, I don't feel like they really believe a lot of things that they say. They just say that kind of junk to just get ratings and get people watching. But the fans on the socials, I'll tell you what, they are quick to drag down anybody, anybody who doesn't win a ring. It just doesn't matter to them. They think that they think the careers are wasted if there's no championship attached to your quote-unquote legacy. Sorry for getting off topic, but um, to go back, really, the 72 Dolphins was more of just like a transition into being able to talk about the Packers and Cardinals game from last night. And boy, does Randall Cobb's performance last night just validate everything that Aaron Rodgers was fighting for? Like, the, the thing for me is I don't understand why people made such a big deal about the, the whole Randall Cobb thing. Like, to me, like, there, there was a couple of interesting points when this deal got done with Houston. Was, one, Houston, they took over like half of his salary cap hit or whatever the case might have been. But, you know, Green Bay's only paying like 4 or $5 million this year. I think they gave up like a fifth or sixth rounder for him. A lot of folks were coming right out the gates and being like, really? That's the one move you want to make, Aaron? Like they finally give you credit. And I was kind of on that same board of like, dude, you've been trying to harp on these guys to get you help or getting the guys that you wanted forever. The offseason didn't work out well for anybody. And the very first trade that you request gets done, but it's only for Randall Cobb. Like, that was kind of the mentality, and I had a little bit of that, but I also understood why he'd want to do it, because he's already brought up other guys that he played with, like the Clay Matthews and the Micah Highs and stuff, of people getting let go to earlier that he thought should have stayed. So it was kind of a point of, this was one of the guys that I wanted to stay here that I feel like you didn't treat well. I have the rapport with him. I know what he can be for this football team. On the surface, it says, why would you do something so insignificant as far as players are concerned? And then it's just Aaron's like, I just want you to do this for me. That's all I want. That's the way that I kind of read that transaction, the trade with for, for Randall Cobb. It is this game in this moment could not, the, the tables could not have been turned any better for Aaron Rodgers for this particular game. There's no Devontae Adams. There's no Alan Lazard who isn't great anyways, but that's not really the point. Those two guys down, I think Val, uh, Valdez Scaling was down, so... This game, this specific game is the whole reason why you wanted Randall Cobb and you were playing Arizona who was 7-0 and you knocked him off. Aaron Rodgers is basically big Nick right now, but in Green Bay. Like he's just got to be swaggering around and saying, I told you so. I told you so. We were going to need this. And now that we see that coming to fruition, the Randall Cobb thing work. Like it, obviously he's going to be used sparing. Like, he probably could have still had this type of game had Devontae Adams played because Devontae Adams is going to, he commands double figure targets, right? He's constantly targeted by Aaron and Rodgers. So this game for Randall Cobb being the number two, three option, if like Lazar was still out, could he have still gotten that? Probably, maybe not this game, 
But at some point in time during the season, it wouldn't have surprised me if he had a two-touchdown game. But the timing of this is so perfect for Aaron Rodgers and what he was trying to do. But when I look at the the Rodgers saga, if we kind of turn the table just a little bit, I had said before the season started, I didn't think that he would play another down in Green Bay. I thought he was done. But towards the end of the offseason, management and Aaron Rodgers were both, they were, they were less chirpy. So I thought, okay, they might be coming to some kind of conclusion together to make each other happy. And they did. Now, this is going to be the caveat going forward, I believe, if Aaron Rodgers stays next year. And I feel like it has to do with what they're going to do with Devontae Adams. Because Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers still want to play with each other. They still want to be there in Green Well, in Green Bay together, I don't know. But both those guys still want to play together with each other. And I don't know if Green Bay is going to be able to pay Devontae Adams or if they even want to. But this is something like if, if management listens to Rodgers again and pays Devontae Adams for at least, like, let's say at least the next three years, like a crazy bonkers deal for three years. Because I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing like 45 years old like Tom Brady is. I just don't know about that. But what I would say is give him a bonkers contract for at least three years, restructure Aaron so you guys got him for the exact same window. And then if Rodgers starts to fall off, Adams can go do his own thing after the fact too. And then you're not carrying both of these guys for five, six years down the road, having them under contract. I know you can still cut people and the contracts a lot of you don't matter in the NFL, but I feel like that would be a good kind of mesh point of make Rodgers and Adams' contracts kind of mirror each other, at least for length. If they win a Super Bowl and if they do this correctly, I'd see only way I really think that Aaron Rodgers still stays in Green Bay going forward. Otherwise, I think that he's probably gone, especially if they don't treat Devontae Adams right. All right, so I hate power rankings. And if you know me well enough, you know that I hate them. I think it's the dumbest thing that we do, not just in sports, but as a general society, when we rank things and do power rankings, it's top fives and top tens all time or currently. It's just the biggest waste of time, money, and resources. And I think it's stupid. But the reason why I'm commenting on this is because I was watching Good Morning Football the other day and I saw somebody, not somebody, but a team and a power ranking in a top five that made me laugh and I have to address it and I will. But before I do, I want to move over to Kyler Murray for just a moment. Do y'all remember when Kyler Murray was being scrutinized for maybe not playing professional football? You know, because he was a number one overall pick in baseball and the number one overall pick in football. And they were like, oh, his dedication isn't quite there. Man, this dude has dedicated his life to sports. May not be the sport that you want him to play, but it doesn't mean he's not dedicated to doing it. And for everybody who says he's not going to be a great pro because he can't decide, who the hell? You guys were praising Bo Jackson back in the day, two-sport athlete. Get over it. Like, that's, like, that was the dude. You guys idolized Bo Jackson, and he was a terrible pro. That dude had less than, I think, I think man, I got to pull up the stats if I'm really going to get wild on this. But he only had like a thousand yards, I think, once in his entire season. The dude was not a great pro. He was a great athlete, but he was not a great pro. Kyler Murray could have been great at literally both sports and could do it. I feel like he could do it. Like Deion Sanders, like the most recent example, I believe, 
of us seeing somebody who's played football and baseball in the same season. He did it like on the same day or within like at least 48 hours or something crazy like that. But everybody just wants to knock the greats. And this is something I have an issue with. The people who are truly great at something, the sport stands. They want to knock people down. Like the LeBron Jameses, the Kevin Durants, the Steph Currys. They've always got a nitpick to try to do something to push these guys down. Because they're like, oh, well, you're not that good. You couldn't have done it without this, this, and this. But it's like regular-ass players. Like I see names like Kelly Oubre out there. Well, that dude's nice. Everybody would like to have him. But then you go like, oh, well, how about Steph Curry? Nah, nah, he's just a shooter. Bro, are you kidding me? It's crazy how like the truly elite at certain sports, and I went from football to basketball, but the fact that there are people who are truly elite at something the average fan or the people who just have a narrative or maybe you just don't like them for other reasons that you're not willing to admit. But the truly elite, you want to knock down for whatever dumb reason and the mediocre you want to build up and you want to know why it is? It's because you're mediocre. You're mediocre. I'm mediocre. I'm a 37-year-old white guy doing a podcast in Alaska that hardly anybody listens to. I have a strong following but I don't have any, but I'm not getting sponsorships and doing stuff like that. I'm a mediocre dude, but the people who have followed me through this thing, yo, man, you got good stuff. Yeah. And they're building me up, but guess what? If, and this will never happen, this won't ever happen. I'll never reach the level of success that I feel like I want to. But if I ever did, that's when I'm going to hear the hate, 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 hate. As long as I'm an up and comer, they're like, Hey man, you're from Alaska doing a podcast and you're doing a good job. Yeah. Look at you. But if I reach any level of success, the people on the outside are going to start to hate. And that's what you see with professional athletes, man. When you're on the come up, it's, man, look at the grind. Look at the grit. Look at what he had to do to get here. And then they get to the top and it's like, man, you're only there because of. It's because you're a hater. If that's your mentality, it's because you're a hater. And I'm sorry that your high school basketball football or baseball coach didn't like you enough or didn't sleep with your mom enough to get you more playing time. Womp womp. Well, that one took a dark turn. I uh, I do apologize for all of the uh, quote unquote student athletes from high school whose coaches did bang their moms and still did getting playing time. That must be a tough pill to swallow right now. Anyway, moving on and back to power rankings because this is where I have to get some stuff off my chest. So, like I said previously, I was watching Good Morning Football. This was, I man, I'd say two, three days ago, and I saw somebody on that show have the audacity to put the Tennessee Titans as the number three football team in the National Football League. And I saw that, and I went, holy hell, why are you guys on national TV? Because there is no way that the Tennessee Titans are the number three team in the NFL. It's just not possible. Now, there is a chance that I saw that it was AFC and not NFL. I believe I believe it was for the whole league. But regardless, they're not the third best team in the AFC either. You've got one thing going for you and it's Derrick Henry and this is what pisses me off and I've been saying this for weeks make Ryan Tannehill beat you 
Derrick Henry can get 200 by himself. Make Ryan Tannehill get you 300 on his own. Make Tannehill beat you, man. That dude can't. The only reason why he looks good, and I said this beforehand, oh my God, and the people who put Ryan Tannehill on a pedestal of MVP the last couple of years because of how good the Titans were because of the offensive line and the run game, turn in your football card. Ryan Tannehill has no business being in the conversation of NFL MVP. He just doesn't. He never has, and he never will. Do you remember him in Miami? Yeah, wasn't very good. He's been better in Tennessee, but they're also utilizing the weapons, uh, the weapon of mass destruction that is Derrick Henry. And then Tannehill looks good, but he's not an MVP candidate and he never will be. And if you ever, if I ever see you in person and you have ever uttered the words Ryan Tannehill MVP, I don't wake up and choose violence, but I would fight you in the street if those words ever came out of your mouth. I'm a lover, not a fighter, so I probably wouldn't do it anyways. I'm also not good at fighting. But your take would be really dumb and I would dislike you for it, good sir or madam. Uh, yeah, so yeah, top fives, top tens are all dumb, but I will tell you this. The Tennessee Titans are not a top three team in the AFC, which means they sure as hell aren't a top three team in the entire NFL. Derrick Henry is that dude. He's a bad man. It's just too bad the running backs don't matter. They do in fantasy, but running backs don't matter. Shout out LaShawn Brown. Hashtag Brownie fan. I don't even know if he listens to this podcast, but I had to give him that. All right, so we got a few more topics to get over before we hang it up for the evening. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Talking Sports with P. Scott. If you enjoy the content, please share with your friends. Trying to grow this into the empire that I want it to be. Even if you hate the content, share it for the wrong reason. At least for me. This dude said something stupid. Okay, well, you can think that and your friends can think that, but I'm right. I'm just here for the listens, baby. Let's wrap the episode up. Now, one of the things that always irritates me is when I see somebody be really, really strident when it comes to sports. And they say, well, we'll never do this. We always do this. We would never trade X player or we would never, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you live in that space and you are dealing in absolutes and hyperbole, you're screwed. And that is why I don't believe one word that anybody says ever in the world of sports. When they are that over the top, extreme, hyperbolic, we never will, we always do. Spoiler alert, no you don't. Because if you are strictly black and white and you don't see 50 shades of gray at the bare minimum, you as an organization are D-U-N done. Which is why I'm having this super perplexing conversation in my own mind about Mike Tomlin. Because when I see not just Mike Tomlin, but the Pittsburgh Steelers in general, I think longevity and I think security, especially at the two things, quarterback position head coach position. Those two things you never got to worry about. The Steelers have had three head coaches in like infinity billion years. And same thing with, with quarterbacks. They just, 
The Pittsburgh Steelers are the Supreme Court justices of the National Football League. You have to die on the bench to get replaced. That's what it is. So when Mike Tomlin got linked to this USC job and he goes, never say never, but this is never. The nevers and the hyperboles, when I start hearing that, I, it rings a bell. It makes me start thinking, ooh, where there's smoke, there could be fire. Dave Gettleman, Nick Saban, two prime examples. Those are, those are the most like over the top, just like atrocious ones of I would never, ever do something. And then you totally did. But we see this in sports all the time. We're not going to trade X player, but we do. I'm not leaving this job, but I will. And I'm. this is why Mike Tomlin is so, like, this specific transaction is so fascinating to me. Because again, like I just noted to you, longevity and uh, like loyalty. The Pittsburgh Steelers just breed that. Not with every player though, but they do with coaching and they do with quarterbacks. Those two spots, if you get in, Starting coach or starting uh, starting quarterback and head coach, you are good for however long you want to be there, man. When Mike Tomlin says never, I think, I mean, what would make me think that you would leave? The only thing is maybe the fact that they might have a losing season this year. And as far as I remember, I don't think Pittsburgh's had a losing record under uh, Mike Tomlin's tutelage, his 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 coaching ship, if you will. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm sure it is now. If it's not, I trademarked it. But it is. It's something that it, it, it just blows my mind because the loyalty that the Rooney family has to coaching and quarterbacks, you'd think he would never leave. And I'm not trying to say that he will. But when I hear that type of just, you are firmly planted in, I am not leaving this place, it always leaves me with reservation of, that sounds like that's what you're telling Steeler Nation. That you just don't want to get whipped with terrible towels as you get ran out of Pittsburgh. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to save face right now. And if they do have a losing season, I wouldn't think that they get rid of him. I don't think that they'd fire him. Like that's not the case, but it's just with whenever I hear never ever, I don't know, man. There's always a room for never ever. Forever ever, forever ever. But forever never seems that long until you're grown. This is something where like I I don't homer very much on the Bills. I'm a big Bills fan, but I don't really I don't hype them up because where they get the praise is where it's not supposed to be directed at, and where they should be getting the praise, they're not getting any at all. And I'm somebody who I've seen this movie beforehand. I just don't want to deal with another quarter decade, not quarter decade, quarter century of just losing and being bad and being basically the red, white, and blue Cleveland Browns. I don't want to go back to that. So I'd rather stay humble, shut up, sit down. But what I do love about Buffalo with Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, and the Pagula family is the same thing I love about sports management in general. I usually hate it because they only they only give the sound bites that the fans want to hear. They're not giving you real talk. But this Bills management and coaching staff has done just that. They give you real talk. They have been on record saying, we are trying to build the best football team that we can build. From McDermott all the way up to Pagula. They have been on record saying that and they continue to be about that transparency. Most organizations across any sports, pl uh, sports platform are not willing to do that. 
but the Bills are, which is one of the reasons why I feel like they're being so successful. They're letting players know, yeah, you can be replaced. We don't want to do it, though. They have such trust in that locker room. And they're saying like, yeah, we could trade you, but we don't want to. So perform. We want you here. Now, they always pick up Carolina players when there's one available. I've been telling you, man, the the, the Buffalo Panthers, the Carolina Bills, the Carolina Panthers, whatever you want to call them, like that's almost what the joke was going for because like three years in a row, all they were trading for or all they were picking up was Carolina Panthers players off the waiver wire. It was crazy how many ex-Panthers got picked up and at least had a cup of coffee with the Buffalo Bills. But they do. They're always transparent and they say we're trying to build the best team here. But Buffalo doesn't make a whole lot of trades. They, they'll, they'll trade draft picks for players, but they largely don't trade players themselves, which is why I think any organization that comes, and this is what I've always said, and I get, I get heat from this all the damn time. If you have a new coach, GM, owner, whatever it is, whatever you say in your first press conference, you better stick to that script to keep your players involved and engaged the fan base not thinking they're wishy-washy, whatever you say from that first press conference, you better be about that life or you are going to lose credibility, locker room, fan base, and across the league. And I feel like that's why the Bills are getting so much respect because they've never wavered. They're like, yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to build the best football team that we can do. We will trade anybody, but we don't want to. But what they've done is they've traded picks to acquire players, which I think is the best way to do it in the NFL. I don't want draft picks. I don't care if you've got a top two pick. I have no idea if that dude can play. I'd rather him be in the league three, four years and then me give you like a second rounder because everyone's everyone's trading these assets for quote unquote hope and the NFL does a great job of building hope for basically bottom franchises. They do. They build you up to think this is our year. Here's the deal. It's not your year. It's not your year. It's just not. I made this argument on the previous podcast before I had to restart. At the beginning of the season, every team has basically a 3% chance of winning the Super Bowl, right? There's 32 teams, 100%, just about 3% chance of winning a Super Bowl. But here's the deal. We all know that the Jaguars and the Jets and the Texans, and you can sprinkle any other three or four teams in there that you want to, have no chance at a Super Bowl. So there, your chance goes from 3%, you know, down to... You know, 15-ish. You got 15% chance of winning the Super Bowl. The problem is Brady has seven of them joints by himself. You don't have a chance. There's when I look at the the league in its entirety, right? So the Steelers have what four or five, and so the Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers and the Patriots have six. Well, if you just take those four franchises, that's almost damn half the Super Bowls. And Tom Brady's got one more than New England. Like, your team doesn't have a chance. The Broncos have two, and then you sprinkle in the Ravens have one. Like, it's, if you think your team has a chance, they just they just don't. There's not as much parity as people want to believe, but the NFL builds the hope, and that is why, and I'm getting a little bit off track here, but Buffalo has, they've, they've, they've built this culture on the players that we have, we want to keep you especially if you're contributors, we're not going to trade you away if you're a contributor or if you think that you're aging. But what we'd rather do is trade draft picks away for proven players because the draft, 
the overall economics of draft trades are absolutely bonkers to me in the NFL, where you can be a, a first-round draft pick, play for three years, and then get dealt for a fifth. That makes no sense to me. And we see it actually quite often. And again, once again, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little off topic, but with the Buffalo Bills, like that's what I'm saying. Like I give them a lot of respect because from the get-go, once they put this new regime intact, they was said they've been on record and all across the board, we will make the best decision for a football team. And this is the thing. This is the way I've always looked at it. If you play in the NFL, you are subcontracted basically by that team. Your employer is the NFL, but you're subcontracted by whatever team you play for. That team largely doesn't owe you jack. Now, on the flip side, I have also been somebody who is very pro-player, but I see it from both sides. The players are trying to get the most money that they can, and the owners and coaching staff and the people who make these business decisions are like, well, we got to do what's best for us. And one of the things that I've said for years and years and years now is you should probably have a cap on like what you, not, not, not the amount of money that you can pay a player, but the years. Because we do see all too often a guy get like a guaranteed contract, like not so much in football because we both know that not both of us, because there's more than one of us. <laughs> I'm the only one here, but there's multiple people listening. We all know that the NFL, like those contracts, they're, they're not really guaranteed, but like baseball is and basketball is. For me, I've always said, make those contracts three-year maximum obligations for the team. Now, if you think that someone's outplayed their contract, and like they're, they're they're rookie deal. Okay, you've out you've exceeded your contract. We're gonna pay you for three more years. And we're gonna pay you a bunch of money, you know. Or maybe they're somebody who's had a one year flash in the pan. You're like, yeah, we think you could be good. We'll pay you X amount for next year, and then we'll see how the next one goes. But the contract's only gonna be for three years because we do see all too often guys get paid, and then they're just like, yeah, well, whatever. And that's not good for the fans. It's not good for the team. It's not good really for anybody. But now there are some guys who are driven and who just like, they just want to play and they just want to get paid. And there are some people who just want to get paid. They're so athletically talent, talented that they get to a certain spot. And once they get paid, they're done. But three-year contract maxes is something that I have been saying for years and years, as far as like, it keeps the incentive going for them to want to perform their best. It also secures the teams from being handcuffed to long-term contracts and paying these guys when they're not even on their team anymore, whether they got either, whether they're retired or got traded um, or they just, you know, stopped performing, got cut. Like it really protects everybody. Three-year max, worst case scenario, you got basically two because, you know, once you pay them, they're probably going to perform at least for a year. And again, this isn't everybody. I'm not trying to, you know, lump everybody who gets a big deal into that, into that space. But we see it too often where it handcuffs front franchises to be able to turn things around when they've got they've they've got enough skill guys be like, God, all the dead money is going to this asshole who screwed us over. I would like to see three year max contracts and it's just because the what have we always heard? Three to four years is the is the the average lifespan of an athlete, anyways, especially in the NFL. Well, if that's the case. If they overperform, pay those guys for their services. But this, when I, now that I come to this, it always brings me back to what I've said about Pittsburgh and Atlanta when it comes to Matt Ryan and Ben Roethlisberger. You're paying them for past performances, and these guys, like the salary cap hit is bonkers because you're 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 too loyal to these guys, and you're paying them too much money. 
Will this ever happen? No. It's just something that I've had in the back of my mind for a long time. All right, two more things before I dip out real quick. Dak Prescott may not play Sunday. Should the Cowboys do it? This has been a topic of conversation I see all over the place and all over my socials, and I would say the Cowboys are absolutely stupid if they play Dak Prescott against the Vikings. You've got a commanding lead in that division. You're the best team in that division by far. Even if for whatever reason you do drop one to the Vikings, it's such a dumb play. You've got two dynamic backs and three crazy good wide receivers. If you play Dak Prescott, like even though you just had a bye week and we get that, but give another week. Again, if you lose, it's not a big deal. That could be so much worse going forward. If the Cowboys play Dak Prescott on Sunday against the Vikings, I don't care if he gets hurt or not. You need to jump ship on that organization. The Dallas Cowboys will just be forever cowboying. Oh my God. It would just be the dumbest decision ever. Commanding lead against the Vikings. Great run game. I, I don't know why the Cowboys got me so riled up right now, but I would be... If you're a Cowboys fan, you're listening, I would be absolutely furious if they play Dak Prescott on Sunday. That's all I'm going to say about that. Before we transition to the very end of the show, though, one last topic. To start, I feel real bad for Patrick Mahomes. His wife, his mama, and his brother. God damn. Homeboy seems like a good dude, but he just can't catch a break because his family just be effing things up all over the place. But what I really wanted to get to is, uh, so there's this weird thing called Patrick Mahomes has been to three straight AFC championship games, two straight Super Bowls, and won one of them. The Chiefs are struggling, and Chiefs fans are trying to boo him out of town. Why would that be? It's because nothing is ever good enough for stupid fans. You've got the best quarterback in the league. You have, you're struggling right now, but if you don't go basically 15 and one or now 15 and two every year, you think your team sucks. Stupid fans and fantasy football and overall debate shows have ruined sports forever. If you're not perfect, you suck. And it's not true. The Kansas City Chiefs, when I look at every team who is not currently in first place in their division, the team I still have the most faith in is the Kansas City Chiefs. they got the best quarterback, one of the best wide receivers, the best tight end, and a top five coach. All right. Defensively, yeah, you've been you've not been good. But these are things, a lot of the things are not on the defensive side. It looks like it should be, right? But if you run the ball. Just run the ball every once in a while, man. Stop doing 90-10 play calling. You can't have Patrick Mahomes throwing it 50 times and run it 10. Like, that's stupid. Just commit to the run a little bit. Do something. That, and I've been saying this for weeks, and I said it last week, and I'll say it again. The Kansas City Chiefs, I don't know who is in charge of their social medias, but if you know somebody who's on the Chiefs' social medias, Give this podcast to them, timestamp this, and give it to them. Stop being so goddamn cute with Patrick Mahomes. And that's that's on Patty, too. That's not just their play calling. Mahomes needs to stop doing this sidearm, no look, rolling out of the pocket. He's bailing on the pocket too quick, too. Bro, You there's some of these throws you've got time. 
We all know you've got the arm talent, man. But you were doing these bonkers throws at necessity, and now you're doing it to be cute. And I feel I have the most faith in the Kansas City Chiefs of any AFC team to be able to turn it around. There's just too much talent, and they have the best quarterback. But they've got to get it together. The fact that you've had a sub-500 year, but you've been to three straight AFC championship games, and you're already dogging this dude, is it because of the money? So you were hyping him up. This goes back to what I was saying earlier. You were hyping him up on the come up, but now that he's there and now that he's gotten paid, now you think he's overpaid? Now you think he's a joke? Nah, he's still arguably the best quarterback in the league. I think he's. I just think he's being too cute. The Chiefs still, right now, still have a two-year window to be the best team in the AFC. I feel like they can turn it around. But fans and social media and fantasy football have turned us all into slaves of whatever is the last thing we saw is the best or the absolute worst. Chiefs fans, you're still good. You've been good for three, four straight years. Stop bitching about it. Man up. Take these L's while they're coming because you're going to turn it around. Chiefs kingdom. (laughs) Man, you guys are getting real close to being labeled just as lame as Patriots fans and just as bandwagoners. I suggest you not fall into that. You guys are taking the persona of Mr. Mahomes' wife than Mr. Mahomes' self. Watch it. The internet never forgets. And on the closing note, I would like to ask you guys, for the ones listening, how do you really perceive this next question I'm about to ask you? Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen. One of them wins a Super Bowl in the next two or three years. I know Sam Darnold's kind of a that's kind of a stretch. I know, right? Even Baker to a degree. Um, but if one of them won a Super Bowl, ask yourself this, and I want you to be really truthful with yourself, with your friends. Ask your friends the exact same thing, and you guys can write it down, take a poll, and see exactly who said what at this point in time, and see who was right. If any one of those four guys was a Super Bowl this year, it's instantly best in that draft class. It doesn't matter who it is. And if they waste the next 10 years and don't get a Super Bowl, a la Aaron Rodgers, well, yeah, you got that Super Bowl that one time. This is one of those things where, and I don't think that any of those teams will win a Super Bowl this year. Obviously, all the injuries in Cleveland, it is what it is. And Sam Darnold, that's not happening. Baltimore and Buffalo, one of those two teams. And I don't even think that they'll that either one of them is going to win a Super Bowl this year. But if they did, it instantly becomes Josh Allen's like, he's going to be one of the top five quarterbacks of all time. But if he doesn't win another one after that, it's going to be, yeah, he got the one but. Same with Lamar Jackson, and you could flip him if you want to. It doesn't really matter. But if one of them wins one in the next one or two years and never wins another one, it's always, yeah, you got the one but. There's always a but, and there's usually a big one when it comes to sports. And like I had alluded to at the beginning of the episode, you're there for the come up, but once you get there, if you're not perfect ever since then, yeah, you're just a guy. Don't be a hater. As always, stay up, stay blessed. We'll catch you on the next one. Talking sports with Peace Scott. We're out for the night.